You're listening to Once, episode 127, The New Neverland. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. We're so happy to have you listening to us and discussing this great show with us. We're going to talk about The New Neverland, the 10th episode in this season, and the last, second to last episode before the long winter hiatus. Squeeze. It's going to be a sad day. So, yeah, that's the announcement. We have one more episode of Once Upon a Time before the big break. So make sure that you watch it and send us your feedback for it. And, of course, we'll give that feedback information later. But for now, let's focus on this episode of Once Upon a Time. And we'll start out with our discussion in Storybrooke. Or in, I'm sorry, in Fairytale Land, also known as Enchanted Forest. Also known as FTL. We faster than light, <laughs> faster than love, faster oh, than true wow. love's kiss. Wow. No, not quite. <laughs> it starts out with this familiar scene of the nice uh, wedding reminding us. Uh, there is a lot here that reminds us of the first season. Started a little after the nice part. Yeah. The, you mean the nice part that started in Storybrooke? No, the nice part of the wedding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With we the were wedding. already on to threats and sword throwing and things. <laughs> right. So we've wondered, what was it like after this? When was Emma conceived? How old was Emma really when the curse came? And all of this kind of stuff. And we've wondered some of those things. Well, now we have more of that information. And we know a little bit more about what happened immediately after, but... Some of this, just a little bit of criticism here, and this is the only bit that's probably going to come out. Mm-hmm. I just felt like the whole thing with the um, the creature, Medusa. Oh. Medusa, yeah, I just felt like that whole thing was a bit eh, unnecessary. It, it it just felt like it was stuck into the storyline. Yeah, I would say there was a lot of that in season one as well. It's just that we were also seeing a greater story being told in Enchanted Forest, so it maybe wasn't quite as obvious. Now, whenever we go back to the Enchanted Forest of the past, it's sort of for uh, a little bit of character development and an entertaining fairy tale. It's not so much for... It's really not ever for an integral part of the plot that's necessary going forward. Plus, it's kind of true to life. There are some moments that happen between the good and the bad moments. Nice. We watch the show for the good moments. <laughs> but really, like it's kind of true to life because not not every moment is like like there's some backtrack moments and some learning moments and some aha moments and moments where you learn things. And this was kind of one of them. Right. It's yeah. not entertaining, but it kind of Makes the story seem more real. Yeah. Something that was kind of cool, since we know the whole story mostly, is when David said to Snow that for all we know, this was just blustering about 
Regina's pronouncement of the curse. Well, at that time, it was because remember, she didn't actually have it yet. Mm -hmm. She had to get it after that. Right. So seeing then from this perspective, we've seen like Regina's perspective immediately after the curse. Now seeing the good guy's perspective. I, I can't appreciate that and how that fits into everything. So then when at the Summer Palace, which does that sound familiar? The Summer Palace? Yeah, it talks about the Summer Palace. Yeah. Have we ever seen it before? Regina went no. to the Summer Palace and it was when she was a queen. Well, she was going to the Summer going, Palace. Going to the Summer Palace when Snow White was going to assassinate her. Yeah. In the episode Heart of Darkness. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. And that's when Snow said, that place was made for my mother. <laughs> do you know what a diamond pickaxe can do yeah that whole thing that's that's where that comes from that was all we knew about the summer palace before but the summer palace itself to me looks just like regina's old home it except looks, without the horse decorations horse decorations it looks similar-ish i didn't see a similarity but i don't look at screen grabs as much as you guys do yeah, the, some of the structures. So again, maybe they just reused a prop and then or a set and didn't expect us to have it so memorized, mm-hmm. <laughs> or have me have it so memorized. There were, I don't know. I thought there were a lot of differences, similar architecture. Yeah. I suppose it, it was probably just one of those things where they reused the set and decorated it just a little bit differently. And so I'm not going to say that Regina's old home now was yeah. snows. I mean, I think there were missing staircases and whatnot, but yeah. Yeah, but it it was it nice matter. to see a place mm-hmm. that had been referenced, and we got to see it a long time yeah. later. Yeah. When Snow got all of those weapons and pulled out that sword, I double-checked, and it's not Charming Sword, which makes sense because the sword ends up being destroyed. But Charming Sword, in case you ever want to look for it in the future and when he's using it and who has Charming's actual sword, his has a gold handle and gold... Um, I forget what they're called, but the little parts that guard your hand on the sword. Um, it's hand all guards. like one piece <laughs> of gold and then the sword. So the shape of the sword was similar, but wasn't actually the same sword in case anyone was wondering from that. But Medusa is from Greek mythology. And again, we get this reference to Greek mythology, stuff like Myris, uh, Midas, the Siren, and <laughs> Pegasus. And there have been several other references to Greek mythology. And Once Upon a Time continues to borrow from Greek mythology without necessarily focusing on it. Like none of our main characters have been Greek mythology characters. True. It's all been the side characters that usually end up dying are <laughs> the Greek mythology characters here. And in, uh, I did a little research on Medusa, and according to Wikipedia, it lines up nicely with what we see here, that uh, she was a monster, a gorgon, generally described as having the face of a hideous human female with living venomous snakes in place of hair. Gazing directly upon her would turn onlookers to stone. I didn't really feel how snake-like was her hair. Her hair was snakes. It was yeah, snakes. It was actually See, snakes. Here's the thing. 
both times watching it, I felt like I really shouldn't look at her I eyes. I did too. <laughs> so Why did I do that? I certainly wasn't spending much time looking at her hair. <laughs> Don't look at her eyes. Don't look at her eyes. <laughs> so they probably spent a lot of time crafting the way she looked, only to have a large portion of their audience at least subconsciously avoid looking at her. <laughs> they could have made her look like anything, and we would have been like, those eyes! Don't look at the eyes! <laughs> Yeah, wait till you see the great screenshot in the show notes <laughs> at onespodcast.com slash 127. But what's also cool is even the beheading thing comes yeah. from Greek mythology. Oh, really? Because yeah. I was wondering how Snow thought, she's immortal. No one can kill her. So definitely I can probably cut off her head and it will continue living. Well, get this. Here's the story. Medusa, and I'm reading again from Wikipedia, Medusa was beheaded by the hero Perseus, who thereafter used his uh, used her head as a weapon until he gave it to the goddess Athena to place on her shield. Neat. That would be a cool well. shield. Hey, and there was a shield in this episode, <laughs> too. And it involved her head. It did. And Actually. it was her undoing. <laughs> yeah. But it makes me wonder if we'll ever get to see a Greek mythology character actually focused on. Mm, can you think of one you even want that to happen with? Hercules? Hmm. That's, yeah, that's... Hades? Hercules was one I was thinking of. Would Could be a cool character to bring in in more than just a single episode. Or at least the singing jar ladies. That would be fun. <laughs> wait, wait. You've got to explain that one. That's Greek mythology? in the movie hercules i have no idea (laughs) if it was actual greek mythology i've never seen that probably not because disney disney disneyifies a whole bunch of things (laughs) but the only way to free medusa's victims are to kill her and when they turned medusa into snow or into stone that freed charming so it made me wonder who else in the world was suddenly freed at that exact same moment. I was thinking that same thought. So was I. Well, that place Which was means... awfully quiet for for Medusa having lots of people oh, yeah. captured. I was thinking of them all over the world, but I don't know that she's really that well traveled. <laughs> Maybe she turns them into stone she... and then grinds them to powder and puts them on salad. She can't ask for directions. <laughs> Like, she's constantly, like, wandering. She couldn't, like, she where am I going? <laughs> she no, tries to figure trying. out where she's going. She can't ask anybody because they're, she'll start to turn them all into stone. Their whole gas station's filled with stone people <laughs> because she was trying to get directions. That sounds like a guy's excuse for not asking for directions. <laughs> if I ask for directions, that means I have to look them in the eye. And if I do that, they'll turn me to stone. <laughs> hmm. Nope. So in this cave, as or as they're looking for this cave, we get to see this nice development a little bit of the characters of Snow and Charming and recognizing the the enemy that they really face. And that's what... Themselves. No, not really. That's well, what sorry. I kind of have to see. Some of these backstories that don't always feel like they move the story along is they do develop the characters. They do. So we get to see that, yeah, Snow and Charming aren't just hero, hero, hero the whole time. They struggle. They feel defeated at times. It's a whole lot more entertaining than Charming and Snow sitting Emma down at Granny's and being like, so let us tell you about right after the wedding. <laughs> Snow was kind of upset. She wanted to go after this thing called Medusa. Yeah, it would have been kind of, it was better to see it. I just hope that they don't add in too much 
along the way. I could see them maybe adding in some more stuff while Snow is supposed to have been pregnant with Emma because Mm -hmm. right now in real life, Jennifer Goodwin is pregnant. Oh, they probably will. So if you put it that way. Yeah. Not only are they probably going to work that into Storybrooke since parallels of the two pregnancies. Yeah. (laughs) A tale of two pregnant Snow Whites. Wow. Masterfully done. Yeah. Exactly. So they'll probably do something like that. It's a prop they won't have to use because it'll be real. So this year we'll have the focused part of the season be the first half and the second half of the season will be random out of the blue adaptive. (laughs) No, I hope not. But (laughs) Well, at some point uh, she's going to have the baby snow in the past snow in the present and jennifer goodwin so maybe they'll work that into maybe the baby will actually make its way into an episode i was gonna ask you that oh dear that could be cool how no wait never mind never mind unless (laughs) it depends on how drawn out this whole thing is probably they'll wrap up the curse thing next week but otherwise there could be multiple parallels maybe because remember the circumstances under which emma was born yeah that's true yeah, <laughs> that's uh, we don't have that much time. If before. Pan gets away with the curse and he's somehow searching for something so that he can enact it, that could play out again. But that would take the whole rest of the season in March. Yeah. yeah. Well, they have some plan and we don't know quite what it is. We'll find out. Well, rather, you'll find out some of this information if you stick around for the spoilers that Hunter does oh. after the music in the podcast. We don't listen to those. But you're welcome to listen to those. And Hunter does a great job of that. The last thing here about the Enchanted Forest is back in the Summer Palace. Recognize, or did you recognize something that Snow said to Charming? We have to find the good moments in between all of the bad ones. Sound familiar? (laughs) From the future, yes. (laughs) Well, not the future of the episode, the future of them. It was later, actually in the episode, we heard David say this first to uh-huh. Emma. And then Emma says it. You know, you gotta look for the moments. Moments. Yes, life is made up of moments. Good ones, bad ones, but they're all worth living. Someone should do a so moments the whole, montage. The whole family ends up saying it, pretty much. Now Henry just needs to say it, because <laughs> next, Emma says it. Maybe Henry will say it to Grace, if we get to see Grace again. <laughs> what? No, the maybe he'll say daughter. it. Maybe he'll say it to Regina. Yeah, yeah, could be. And then she'll say it to somebody else. Maybe Tinkerbell will go say it to Blue <laughs> at the funeral. <laughs> Everybody's going to have to say it at some point. Everybody. Maybe not. No. <laughs> but before we move on to Storybook, which is where most of our conversation will be, and nearly all of your feedback was on Storybook and a couple, just a couple basic points in Storybook. We would like to thank a few people who have helped make this episode possible by donating to support this episode, and we really appreciate those donations. Really awesome people here. Steve Johnson, David Newland, Lisa Slack, and Amanda Robar. We really appreciate that support. Steve, David, Lisa, and Amanda, thank you so much for donating. It helps keep the podcast alive, helps cover the high expenses of running the podcast. And if you haven't donated and you'd like to consider donating please look at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And we'd love to talk to you if you are interested in a corporate sponsorship because we have some ad slots coming up. But thank you so much for your support. So let's then talk about Storybrooke. 
we really rushed through that Enchanted Forest section. Well, we've got a lot to talk about here. I don't know if we rushed, except who wants to be turned to stone? We had to be fast. <laughs> yes. Don't look. Don't blink. Well, do blink. <laughs> Just blink. keep your eyes closed. Oh, it'd be Better terrible. Better yet, wear a blindfold. It'd be terrible if Medusa was also a weeping angel. Because <laughs> you have to look and don't look. It, it would just be. That'd be bad. That would that be would bad. Be very It'd bad. be like a cat with. I'm totally. Never mind the cat thing. <laughs> totally deviating from the conversation. We'd be busier than cat nine, nine miles from dirt. We got to see Ariel and Eric reunited. Aww. Sort of. Yeah. Why did she think that he was really mad at her? He Just was... because it was chopping heads off of fishes? <laughs> yes. Fishes? She's, <laughs> she's a kind of fish, sort of. She has fins sometimes. Yeah, but she's not related to fish, right? Well, I don't know how to do killing my cousin! Flounder! <laughs> <laughs> That's her friend, not her cousin. Fish are food. <laughs> I mean, friend. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I'm misquoting Finding Nemo. Anyway. But boy, they got together quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... Hello. I never really knew you before. He should have been sort of like, I guess it's true love, but really he would have been like, wait, I think I know you. Weren't you that girl at that party and we were going to go away and spend the rest of our lives together? That's and you never kind of up? how he said it, but he said it with instead. I guess he's just words. good with names. I guess he's just been thinking about her all this time. That's what Ariel meant. He's like, Ariel, I think I know you a little bit. Come here. <laughs> oh my god, I cats. <laughs> well, I like that we learned in an episode, we learned why Mr. Gold has kept his cane for all of this time. And that was to remind him of the man he was and will no longer be. I don't know if that's why he's always kept it, mm. but that's why he's keeping it now. That's what I'm thinking too. That's what Kitsis and Horowitz have actually said before, is that's why he keeps the cane. They don't know what they're talking him. about. So now they finally brought that into an episode. Well, I think the never be again was not part of his thinking before. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that never be again is now because of all of these things he's gone through the the way that he has grown in character grown in love and been reunited with his family and discovered new family too Mm -hmm. and that'll change a person in this scene we got to see the boat falling from this well floating or flying from the sky so i was wondering is there a big hole in the top of storybook's cloaking spell now because that didn't actually fix itself that we know of yeah it's you know we can assume it but Visually, it was hard to tell what exactly what? happened. Because it kept mm-hmm. spreading. This big hole. Re- <laughs> Speaking of that, and the Ariel and Eric thing, and the Darlings reunion, I felt sort of like all of those plot points, sort of like Greg and Tamara, were now being swept aside to make room for the rest of it. Yeah. It was kind of like, look, Ariel and Eric are together. Eric gets to say one word. I'm hoping that it's not that now we're just never going to see them again. It's going to be like like Cinderella and her prince. Yeah. Man. And then... We don't see them again. Like, boom, what protection curse? This magical ship just plunged right through it. We're going to assume that Rumpel had a way of opening it. But that's maybe gone. And then, yeah. I don't They've know. got some splaining to do. The darlings were kind of like, I think it's time for us to go home. Um, Bye. <laughs> well the... unless they don't get to leave i'd rather yeah. see them again but maybe not 
the dome thing that they're living under. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Could be just something that's, regardless of whether it's still there, it may be irrelevant because if Pan enacts this curse, then the whole nature of the town will change anyway. True. Or possibly, most likely. And one of the questions we received here from Chris is, he said, Hey guys, so I was wondering, why was it so easy for the ship to just find Storybrooke again, let alone just go through the protection spell? Didn't Belle say Rumple wouldn't be able to find his way back to her, and she agreed? And uh, any answer to this you saw, or maybe just a plot hole? Thanks. I think it's pretty simple. Rumple didn't actually say that he wouldn't be able to find him his way back. That was all speculation. Yeah, he said it would be impossible to find, but he didn't say that he couldn't find it back. Belle said that. She said, well, how will you find your way back? And that led on to just a different conversation. Yeah, I mean, if you hide a key under a rock in the forest, it's impossible for anyone to find, but you might know where it is. Yeah, and that's the point is Rumple knew where it was, and Rumple made that spell... So he could certainly get through it in some way. Mm -hmm. I don't don't see that really as a problem. But I love the transition from this scene that we saw where everyone's like, yay, yay, yay. And hey, look, Regina. Regina saved us. Regina helped save us all. (laughs) I shall destroy your happiness. (laughs) If it is the last thing I do. Yes, it was good. But recognize then the awesomeness of how far her character has come. Mm -hmm. That here she is accepting the fact that Henry has two mothers and being a better mother. We've seen her character develop in many different ways. She can still be kind of a jerk sometimes, though. I'm glad that didn't go on for weeks. Yeah. And anyone really, or no one rather, can just change overnight. Mm-hmm. And stop being a jerk overnight unless like <laughs> they die or they're turned to stone. Being a jerk is something that's hard to overcome. <laughs> it it takes time to yeah change these things, but it's been awesome to see Regina changing this, and we I think we'll continue to see her character change more and more as we go on. But continuing on, as the gang is still here at the ship, I, I thought that Henry's or Jared Gilmore's specifically acting here was much better with being pan and henry at the same time because he sounded more natural not trying to be sinister yeah but still sounding a little sinister but not overly so Mm -hmm. and so i could i could appreciate his his deal there in working that through and and improving that for us but when we come to gold and bell at the shop I'm sure a lot of the Rumbell fans really loved this moment. Start thinking about your future. There's endless possibilities, countless paths to take. But there's only one of those paths I'm interested in. Which one's that? The one where you and I are together. So it's beautiful to see them looking toward their future and... Wanting to be together. But here's the thing. If Pan's curse works, it will rip their happy endings apart. Which remember, think about it this way. The curse originally 
was to rip everyone's happy endings and give Regina her happy ending. And Rumpel created the curse in order for him to get his happy ending, and that was to find his son. Now, if Pan reenacts the curse, then it steals even Regina and Rumpel's happy endings away from each other. Right. So a sad turn on events that could eventually happen. We've got some great theories about what the actual enacting of the curse could be. But as everyone is celebrating at Granny's, and Emma brought that book to Pan, fake Henry, (laughs) I wonder if Pan ever knew about the book. Didn't look like it. (laughs) So you think it was a complete surprise to him? Yeah, I mean, I think he kind of just looked at it like it's a book, <laughs> and Emma just put a giant book in front of me. What am I supposed to do with that? I think that the uh, the book is now he's reading it like Henry is, and reading it more as this is the town's secrets, not this is how I'm going to figure things out, but. He now knows everybody's history, or he's having access to nearly everyone's history, and learning how to manipulate things and what he needs to do in order to repeat certain things or prevent certain things from happening, like a savior and all of that. He's learning everybody's secrets. Mm -hmm. He learns about the vault and the curse, although how he could have... Well, I guess he figured the curse was there because everything magic was in there. And speaking of the book, the pages on the book, I read what text we could from screenshots and again you could probably guess the story it showed was the golden bird really yeah almost everything that we've seen so far in the book text wise has been from the story the golden bird or snow white and rose red almost every all the text has been from those two stories i forget what the golden bird is about it's about some brothers Uh, There's a golden feather and all of this stuff. Not like the golden goose, not that story. But this is a different golden bird. You can look it up. Just we'll have links in the show notes to the golden bird if you want to look that up. Well, the um, the picture. One of the pictures looked like it was from Red Riding Hood. Yeah, which was kind of nice in the diner. They seem to try to mention Ruby in some way every (laughs) chance they get. (laughs) Only it looked like Red Riding Hood and a wolf, Mm -hmm. which isn't from the version that should be in the book but <laughs> maybe that was granny maybe granny was the first red riding hood <laughs> before she turned or maybe or that was, was turned. snow wearing the cloak and also in the book was a picture of hansel and gretel mm-hmm. a nice flashback to season one mm-hmm. as well that same exact picture of them running from the candy cottage more people we never saw again <laughs> yeah but Tink might be a character that we'll continue to see, I think, based on what came out in this conversation, where I think we now see that she might have a redemption story to follow, and that is believing in herself in some way. I mean, that's kind of Blue's challenge is, you don't believe in yourself, how can I believe in you? So I think that's just a setup for next is we're going to learn about how Tink comes to believe in herself and gets the pixie dust to work maybe that will be how they break the curse maybe Hmm. not or stop the curse or whatever has to happen Mm -hmm. because i i just have this gut feeling that if the curse happens it's not going to last that long just like a lot of other things we've thought were going to take weeks to resolve that didn't 
depending on what the effects of the curse are. Yeah. Which we'll get into more in a great, in a minute because we've got some great feedback I'm looking forward to. The speaking of the curse, I think Pan got the idea of the curse from the book because yeah. the next thing that we see is when he's back in his room that he's looking at this picture of the curse coming and then he looks at the picture of the vault. So he's he's getting ideas of what to do from that. And just some interesting little trivia, the, the clock that he looked at was at 1140, not necessarily an important number. And the clock when the shadow came was one minute till midnight. And there were a lot of clocks in his room. I'm not sure if we ever noticed this before. I think we did. Okay. I liked how he looked around the room and just sort of flicked at everything like, what a child. Yeah. There were, I think, seven clocks. That's It looked like what I could count, seven different clocks in the room. And as, as he then frees the shadow, I mean, time would have had to have passed because of uh, the difference on the clocks. But the shadow is now running around wild and controlled by Pan. We still don't know how that control actually works. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of indication. So Henry looked out his window at another clock, which might have been the inspiration for the clocks he wanted around himself. Because he used to stare at the clock. I mean, it wasn't really Henry, but it was actually it was kind of eerie because Henry once leaned out that window and looked across at the clock and mm-hmm. saw it move. And now it's total invader boy. Nice. Too bad it wasn't at 8.15. Well, that would have been... I wonder what it's like to be the writers, because knowing what the fans do with things, if it had been 8.15, there would have been people all over forums and all over everywhere going, it's at 8.15, has they already frozen time? What's going on? And no... It, that wouldn't have been the case. So they really couldn't make it 8.15. Yeah, one minute till midnight. That's what time it read on the town clock tower. Although bothering to show it again like that could mean that it is once again going to freeze at 8.15. Yeah, we'll If see. the curse happens. Back at the diner the next day, yeah. When Charming and Snow are having breakfast or lunch together. This is the first time that... Rumpel has not asked for a price, not made a deal, and he didn't even ask for a favor. He just, I think, opened it up that he knew he could ask for a favor because they're family. <laughs> Which is is odd to hear coming from Rumpel because knowing how much he was about deals in the past, now it's all just, we're family. We can We can help each other, no charge. Well, was it no charge? Mm-hmm. That's what they got him to agree to in Neverland. That's what they got him to agree to, but he was kind of like, I'm sure you'll be agreeable to a favor if I ever need it, right? Which is basically the kind of deal he always makes. Yeah, but he didn't say he didn't you'll insist. owe me a favor. Oh, he didn't insist on Charming's agreeing, because the next thing Charming said was, thank you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's not like when he did the th- deal with Emma... He said, you will owe me a favor. Here he's saying, if I need a favor. 
it's basically saying that this door is open that because they're family they'll help each other when then david goes and gets emma since she didn't show up at the diner for that little casual date was when he again talked about the moments and taught emma about the importance of the moments and one little interesting thing i thought maybe nothing hidden to this at all but as david and emma leave from that little rock where they were hanging out (laughs) i think it was a log but that's okay david takes emma in his arm and he's on her left side she's on the right side and they're going to see neil it almost seemed symbolic of a wedding processional where the father leads the bride to the groom that's reach cute but reaching i know i know yeah it is it is reaching but i just thought that's that's kind of cute that that's what happened but we never got to see what happened as a result of that or no it didn't even happen that's right because because when they got to the, the diner, lady was screaming <laughs> the lady i guess neil understands though and they'll have to take a rain check mm-hmm. except they're not gonna have time until like march <laughs> it's funny how much david seems I don't always, I have to work to remember that they're kind of the same age. Mm-hmm. He just, their relationship is so father-daughter. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that works, but they it did works. A great, they do a great job. Yeah, it's it's working out. I think you can see it growing and becoming more that father-daughter relationship, not so much just friends at the same level, but now that, that sort of looking after relationship. I like it. I like seeing mm-hmm. that. I mean, as strange as it is, yeah, because they're the same age. They have equal amounts of wisdom. (laughs) But seeing them work through that anyway. (laughs) Back at the diner in the meantime, Hook and Tink bump into each other. And... Such a pirate. It makes me wonder, will they hook up? Uh Oh, goodness. Well... I don't think so. Tink seems to like her dignity. I know they're, yeah, but as much dignity as a fairy can have. Here's something though, you know, as bad as Hook has been in the past, he is now much more honorable. Not in this one. Well, yeah, in this in this moment, in this it's episode, almost like he was hey, just you're female, rum. you're breathing. <laughs> oh dear, you want to yeah. go on a date? <laughs> he didn't seem quite like that i think she was actually maybe judging him there who'd have thought i'd ever say this i think she was maybe judging him too harshly well yeah and that's my point that hook more recently has been more honorable so this judgment is a bit harsh and we've yes. seen that a couple times in the last few episodes where soon, he's been judged a bit too much as soon as emma asked wait have you guys and he said perhaps or maybe <laughs> he's trying to make her jealous but I thought that was dumb, too. I thought cause... he was being despicable in this episode. Slightly despicable. Oh, well, maybe. There, were, But with all the screaming, I thought that was a pretty dumb moment that they had. Except maybe it was just the tense music that made it so <laughs> absurd. I think he was trying to woo Tink simply because he was bored. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Rebound relationship. Jane Espenson once commented that it was strange writing lines for Jiminy Cricket. I wonder what it was like for the people who wrote this episode to say that Captain Hook ran into Tinkerbell coming out of the bathroom in the diner. <laughs> because who would have thought that we would ever see that? <laughs> it was actually kind of awkward. 
Well, we got an email from Don saying, am I the only one who noticed Emma's slight moment of jealousy when she saw Tink and Hook? What's uh, that about? I don't think she was jealous. I think she's just curious. I'm totally against that storyline and would much rather see Hook and Tink attempt a relationship than silly Hook and Emma, hoopla. But it does make you wonder what Emma is finding to be so appealing in Hook. Perhaps it's his nod toward the dark side every so often. She seems to have a thing for the bad boy type, and Neil is too busy trying to play the good father to capture her attention. Mm. That's from Don. I think some yeah valid observations there. Maybe it was a little hint of jealousy. Well, after everything, it would seem a bit fast. Yeah. Even if she had decided against it, it would seem fast after everything he had said to her and the kiss and all of that. A little bit of it could have also been her just thinking, really, Hook, that quickly, (laughs) you're going after someone else. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I picked up from Emma's expressions in that scene. I have to agree with that. I have to agree with that. But I wouldn't be surprised if there maybe was a little bit of jealousy in that. So from while this is happening, and I do mean while this is happening, there's some screaming going on in the background. Five screams. I counted them. Blue had to scream five times before she died. And some people would say finally died. That is so wrong on so many levels. She's she's original magic and a a, a shadow killed her. <laughs> She is the original magic. Mm-hmm. You think she would like whip out her original magic, but she didn't. Her original magic. She just uh, ran and screamed, and she was hopeless. I don't That's know why. True. I'm that really, I'm really disappointed. A little out of character. It was because mm-hmm. she's all cocky and stuff. She's blue fairy. She's original magic. She has every reason to be cocky. Have we ever even seen that place where she was before? Yes, that was in front of the the home. It was. Wow. Uh, Regina's home? No, that that uh, place where Mother the Superior convent? works. Oh. Convent. I don't know. <laughs> Nuns live at a yeah, convent. It, it was called right? the yeah. Sis- Sisters of St. Misa or Misa. And um, it's M-E-I-S-S-A. And that is actually the name of a star in the constellation Orion. Hmm. And Blue Fairy, we've heard her called Rulgorm, which means Blue Star. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you wish upon a star. Yes, a yes, yes, up. we know. So all of that. So it's cool that I'm not sure if we've ever seen the full name of the place before. I, I can't think remember. I have. I don't remember ever mentioning that ever. But, uh, yeah, it's basically Sisters of Saint and the name of a star. Neat. So, yeah, we have seen that place before. Like, that's where August went to speak with the Blue Fairy. Well, I remember all that. I just don't remember it looking like that or having... All those grounds being shown. Yeah. I'm just super disappointed because, you know, she's supposed to be really powerful. And what has she been doing all this time, if not refining her her magic skills like Rumpelstiltskin's been doing mm-hmm. while in Storybrooke? Like, she's what has she been doing? What what has she been doing? Been pretending that she's a nun. <laughs> Silly rule Just Gorham. pretending. <laughs> um, I, so, that tower... On the clock, the clock tower, you can see in the distance, which I thought was both cool and strange. It was cool in that it was a nice effect to kind of tie it in with the town. It was strange in that it made that place seem so far away from the diner, they should not have been able to hear her screaming. Yeah, (laughs) 
A little bit of a plot hole there. Hmm. They should have made it bigger. Huh. It would have looked closer. <laughs> we got some feedback on this point, though, about Blue Fairy's possible demise. Don had also sent in this message saying, I don't think the Blue Fairy is completely out of the picture. She's just mostly dead. <laughs> yes, shadow stealing kills, but aren't we all forgetting that Rumple is breathing just fine without his shadow? <gasps> but he cut his off. It wasn't yeah. ripped from him. Plus, this would add to the notion that the Blue Fairy is one of the most powerful, not sure if she's good or bad just yet, oh magic-wielding characters <laughs> in Storybrooke. And thanks for having such a wonderful and clean podcast. I love it. You Thank you, Don. You would think the most wonderful, you know, the most powerful person would be able to defend themselves from a shadow. You would think. You'd think, you yeah. You'd think. But maybe she didn't have her wand with her. See, I don't... I don't know. The shadow mythology is a little bit rough. Um, Does she need a wand? Phoenix eight fifteen mm-hmm. is pointing out in the chat room that Rumple froze his shadow before he cut it off, so that would make his shadow seem external, whereas these other shadows we've seen ripped seem internal. Which I don't, you mm-hmm. know, know that there's a whole lot of consistency there. But somebody else had brought up that. His shadow and his dagger were not with him when they left Neverland, which I had forgotten. So, first of all, producers, I better never see a shadow on that man in Storybrooke. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) And second, how is he going to get that stuff back? It's kind of important. It is kind of important. What if somebody finds it and they start, like, swishing in his face saying, do this, do that. (laughs) He'll probably just conjure it one of these days and just be like, oh, I brought it over. Poof. (laughs) Our listener once wizard said the first shocker had to be Blue Fairy's death. I still felt there was more story to be told with her, especially with backstory and fleshing out the fairy rules a bit more. The death felt a little bit unsatisfactory. I completely agree with you, once wizard. Yeah, like I mean her last scene with lines was just I don't know, not a good last scene for a character that's been on the show for three years, Mm. two and a half, whatever. Once Wizard continued with saying, the thought that I am still clinging to is that a shadow can be reattached to its body. And there may be some hints of that from certain people associated with the show. If you want the link to see who said that and where they said it, you can check out the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 127. But I won't share it here in the podcast because it could be a spoiler. I'm wondering Hmm. why Peter Pan singled her out. Hmm. Of all people, why would he kill Blue Fairy? Yeah, I, um, well, Alina called in and left a voicemail and I wasn't able to play it because audio quality, uh, it was a little bit muffled, but she said basically maybe because Blue Fairy is one of the few people who can stop Pan. And the other idea was maybe what if Blue Fairy has a sister that's a dark fairy and that sister is somehow connected with the shadow. I think she was a well-known character who was female and therefore had screams shrill enough to be heard over two (laughs) miles and they needed to kill somebody and they picked her. Why would they pick her? Why? Because we know her. She's supposed to be powerful. She wasn't even wearing a red shirt. My thought though (laughs) on why the shadow would kill blue and we I'm, Here's my thought. I'm going to assume 
that the shadow was being controlled by Pan, that Pan directed this. Follow with me here. Following. If, if Blue Fairy wrote the book, let's go on that assumption because we know back when we learned Pinocchio's backstory, we saw that uh, Blue Fairy said that the curse is coming and she and the other fairies needed to make final preparations. Oh. What if those final preparations were writing the book so that there would be a way to eventually break the curse? Because that book is what Henry read, which led him to Emma and to believing everything. So if that book wasn't in Storybrooke, then Henry wouldn't have known to go get Emma. Emma wouldn't have been there to break the curse. Like, okay, lady, you're not making any final preparations. At least not for the curse. Exactly. So what if that's why Pan Pan had her killed is that she could have started preparations very quickly somehow and made some little left clues that someone would be able to pick up on and break the curse. Because depending on what's in the book, maybe it actually says that, that the fairies prepared the book and wrote it. Maybe it says that in the book. We don't know what all is in the book. If it said that, then he would know to kill Blue Fairy. Exactly. Very interesting. So that's my theory on why. And I know that's assuming a lot. It's a good one. But I I still think it is Blue and the fairies who wrote the book. Better answer all these questions. (laughs) Had better. Because you don't just kill original magic and just not say anything about it. Like, why? (laughs) Well... Aaron J., our co-host for our Wonderland podcast over Yay. at wonderlandpodcast.com, sent this in saying, I was incredibly disappointed with the Mother Superior in this episode. I mean, seriously, she is the most powerful-ish person in Storybrooke, <laughs> and she is running around screaming from a shadow. But I was also... Dis- screaming at her own shadow. <laughs> screaming at a shadow. <laughs> yeah, not her own, thankfully. <laughs> but, well, it's going to be a long winter. thought it was her shadow, and that's why she screamed. She's like, what are you doing? But I was also disappointed she died. I wonder if people really die when their shadows are taken. I hope she is not dead or not dead yet. Perhaps there is a time period after your shadow has been taken that it can be reattached to revive you. If this is the case, I think that Tink is going to be key in saving Blue. I would hate to see Blue be gone forever the way she (laughs) left things with Tinkerbell. I reckon Tinkerbell will have to believe in herself enough to make the pixie dust work to reattach Mother Superior's shadow. At least, I hope this is what happens. And that's from Aaron J. Thank you, Aaron. Do you think Blue Be Gone is what the shadow used? (laughs) (laughs) What if another fairy has to rise to the top? Like Nova. Hmm. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) What? I don't think that would happen. I mean, it seems like pixies are more powerful than regular fairies. Fairy godmothers are even more powerful than pixies. So, at least what we know so far of the progression of fairies, it would seem like Tinkerbell would be the next in line, as far as we know of the fairies that we've met. Well, I don't know about that. Because the two two other fairies have... Blue Fairy didn't like either of them, really. She yeah. didn't trust either of them. Like, she said, no, nah, you're not going to be a godmother. And and guess what? I don't believe in you. So I think we've <laughs> only seen the fairies that she doesn't prefer so far. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen, like, strong fairies. We haven't seen. Maybe she doesn't like any fairies. Maybe fairies. Maybe there's a secret organization of fairies that are behind everything. Like, even before Rumpelstiltskin and Peter Pan. And they're just like... Guys, eventually, 
this plan will work. We're going to get blue. Well, I know a lot of people are calling her sneaky fairy. <laughs> How's that, sneaky fairy people? What? Maybe it's everyone against her. We've only seen three colors of fairies, and there are so many different other colors. We've just seen blue and green and pink. Well, we haven't seen purple. We haven't never seen, seen aqua. Auburn. We haven't seen aquamarine. In, in main characters, that is. We did see that moment where, like, the flight of the Valkyries, the fairies came in throwing their little dust on wow. all of King George's crew. Oh, interesting. I and there to were a whole bunch fairies. of fairies. Yeah, they were different colors. but um, Yes, but there has to be at least... One of each color because, you know, having multiple greens would be confusing and having multiple pinks would be Maybe there's confusing. forest green, there's army green, <laughs> there's teal green, there's green green, there's green green. And what are the odds that we would meet just the pink and just the green then? Well, what are the odds? We never heard her called pink, did we? No. Because that would have been too confusing with pink. the musical artist by that name. <laughs> uh, <huh>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. At Mr. Gold's pawn shop, I enjoyed seeing him. It almost looked like he was rushing to lock up and quickly leave before uh, they could get like, him. Now let's go start our happy ending. Quick. Quick. Oh, Run. great. They're running down the sidewalk again. Run. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's like, Bell is just so good for him. Cause, and it was almost like a married couple. <laughs> he says something. And she's like. Rumple. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll listen. Why are you running towards my shop this time? <laughs> yeah, that was great. And to see them, you know, his respecting her too, like that, and her settling him down a little bit. She's always been doing that, though. Mm-hmm. She's always been just uh, like the voice of reason and stuff. She, she sees the good in people. And I think more than that, she also helps bring out the good in people. She does. Not just sees it. But it's her superpower. Yeah. Well, she once called it something like that at some point. When they go to the town line, Mr. Gold had his shawl with him again <laughs> so that he could cross the line, but it only ended up being his hand that he needed to cross the line in order to put the box on the other side. <laughs> Yes, I think that's and there's a little delay. So it's almost like you could you could like play this danger like the teenagers of the town I'm sure go out to the town line and they hop across the line and hop back and try not to lose their memories. <laughs> well, he was wearing the shawl, so it wouldn't have well, affected true. him right. anyway. That's it true. might have affected someone else. Did if you they see tried any like magical waviness in his no. hand? It takes a minute. That's why you can do things like Okay. Like memory loss dare. <laughs> But can you imagine, I mean, if I were them, I would be so apprehensive. It would be like, oh gosh, we know what's in the box, but when we let him out, what's he going to do? We haven't really seen him much since he's had all this magic absorbed, except he doesn't really have it anymore. I don't know. Anyway, you'd be a little apprehensive. So he comes out of the box, then he looks around, and then he says, Mom? (laughs) She's like, What? That is not... No, you're supposed to say something menacing or try to kill us. What is happening right now? (laughs) I thought when I first saw them going to the line, I thought their idea was to let him out of the box inside the line and then push him across so he would lose all his magic. I did too, but I didn't know what that was... How that would even work. I would have loved to have seen... I would have loved to have seen 
uh, Rebel Stilts, Stilts can drop kick that thing like farther <laughs> across the line just for safety. <laughs> yeah. It's like, could you go maybe a couple of yards that way? I <laughs> no, don't know. it's just like a foot away from the line. But I think the way that they did this did make sense because if they let him out inside the Storybrooke line, then he, with his magic, could have just whatever to them or flown off or anything like that. But then letting him out outside, he was powerless. Or that's what they were assuming. Mm-hmm. And then they could you know, work through all of that. So I like the way that they did that instead of pushing him across the line, which made the assumption that they'd even be able to do that in the first place. Back in Regina's vault, the real pan is there, disguised as Henry. And the... Disguised as Henry. Yeah, the the way that we see... Regina, like grasping onto this hope of the relationship with Henry or whom she thinks is Henry. It's sad to see her get disappointed, but then rewarding in a little bit when true Henry in Pan's disguise comes and says that he does still need her to be a mother. That was that was really nice. I don't know how Pan knew what was in the bottle he grabbed behind her back, though. Hmm. He's like looking around like extract of he's smart Lava! he's he smart it. he's studied no doubt he knows his stuff he's really old like any white powder in a bottle like that is going to knock her out cold and not me definitely maybe he recognized it in some way maybe because he is magical and we haven't seen him use magic in well, storybook you yet. know we had to learn it yeah though but may wait learn magic yeah at some point he had to learn magic maybe or or this whole time has he just been you know wielding the magic of neverland which is believe it and it will happen yeah i think it's that that he didn't really have to learn but it was almost like an instinct to him Hmm. but not as much as rumple i wonder if he learned some magic in preparation for all this because you know he's been preparing for this. He's what? been preparing for something like this. Uh, I don't know that for he's, something. I don't know that he's been preparing to come to Storybrooke. I think that was a last ditch effort. And then this is what's happened. Because he learned about the curse from Henry's book. He's been figuring this stuff out as he's been going. And now he has his opportunity. I wonder if he just pulled the cork on the bottle not knowing what was in it and hoped for the best. Maybe. <laughs> and she could have been like... It sounded like... I mean, it looked like he settled on it. Like, I'm going to use that. Yeah, it did. Whether he knew what it did or not, we don't know. <laughs> As they're outside, or the rest of the good guys are outside trying to get in, I think Emma is taking this I'm the savior thing a little bit too far. Mm-hmm. Because she's now... At the beginning of the season, she was having a hard time just saying, I'm the savior. She kind of rolled her eyes a little bit. But now it's like, I'm the savior. I can't have a day off. Yeah. She then embraced the role as like volunteer work when she didn't want to do it at first at all. And now she kind of wants to get paid and have vacation time. <laughs> Not really. But yeah, I don't know. She's She's being a little fatalistic. I can understand. They haven't even been back a day, and they're kind of like, oh, look, we didn't actually succeed after all. Mm-hmm. This is definitely the new Neverland. Or or will it? 
I don't know what's going to come. And we'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment, though. But I, I do wonder, will they capture the shadow? Will they get to stop Pan? Will they even see Pan anymore? What's going to happen with the body switching and all of that? Will they all live happily ever after? <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> Pretty much. But I want to thank a few people who have left some kind reviews for us in iTunes. Fairy Dust 787 from the United States, Glenn San Judas from the Philippines, Key Bear of Flame, and Miss T. T. Funny, both from the United <laughs> States of America. Thank you so much for writing reviews for us in iTunes. We really appreciate that because it encourages us and it helps other people find the podcast too. So we're so thankful for that kind encouragement. And if you haven't left a review yet, please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. Or if you listen with Stitcher, you can also review us in Stitcher as well. But iTunes is where it really helps. Speaking of Stitcher, they're doing a podcast awards thing too. The voting system is similar to the actual podcast awards, but I'm not going to obsess over asking you to vote. But if you want to help <laughs> us out, then it's it, we'd love your help. You're familiar with our podcast and you can Find out how to do that over at Stitcher.com. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you for the kind words and reviews. So now, anything else to talk about before we talk about the big thing? The curse. Let's talk about the big thing. This is definitely the main point of the episode. I won't be surprised if we spend a lot of time on this. But Pan said that he is bringing this curse. And he described what the curse will do. Everyone will forget who they are. Time will stand still. And Felix, we will be in charge. This whole place. Yes. And when we're done with it, it's going to be the new Neverland. So they have one idea of what the curse is going to do. Yeah, that idea solves all of Peter Pan's problems. He doesn't have to live in a place that's killing him slowly. Mm -hmm. Correct? Right. Well, a place say. where he won't be able to live in forever. Except mm. now he has that heart, so he could. Yeah, that's the thing. He has the heart of the truest believer. So why does he just go back to Neverland and have his old Neverland? Why does he need a new one? <laughs> well, maybe he's going to turn everybody into children. <laughs> well, he said that they'll get what they've always wanted. And that is to rule this place or rule some place to rule Neverland. Maybe they felt like they weren't ever completely in control in Neverland or they didn't really have people to rule except the Lost Boys that they brought over. But he can have that inside of what he's assuming will happen when he curses Storybrooke. Yeah, it is kind of an assumption, isn't it? It, okay. doesn't, really, it doesn't really make a lot of sense that he could just know that. And with the way that they did this choreography, where they cut right from Snow, I think, asking what casting the curse in Storybrooke would do to then Pan saying that and explaining that, I think we can assume that that's what Rumple told them as well, as what might Possibly. happen. Unless next week they're like, we don't actually know. Magic works differently here. We don't know what it's going to do. Yeah, so... Is that really what's going to happen with the curse? I I think time probably will stand still. But I think it's safe to assume that 
Emma won't be able to break this curse. Whatever it is, Emma can't break this one coming up. Because they really harped on this fact, and she did, that she's the savior. Well, now she's not going to be the savior. I think that's the direction they might go with this. Will there be one? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. We got some great feedback on this. Alina said, how is Peter Pan going to cast the curse? Don't you have to kill the thing you love most? We see he doesn't love anyone but himself. I hate that we have to wait 12 weeks for the second half of the season, but I look forward to listening to your podcast. Thank you, Alina. (laughs) So who does Pan love himself? Like I said, I have this all worked out. Okay. He's going to kill himself, but he's not in his body. He can take the heart of himself. He's got Henry's heart now. Mm. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of sad and morbid, but still funny. I I think that is what they could do. Yeah. Or is it Felix? And that's why he has Felix up there. Like, Felix? I know. He's just such a narcissist. I'm going to need your heart. I'm thinking that. Felix is not the thing he loves most. (laughs) Yeah, but Felix is his closest friend. Yeah. But maybe Felix is more on the level of regina's prized steed not <laughs> <Yeah>. so much <gasps> he's gonna have to kill robustillskin <laughs> what oh ooh. you think Whoa. so i think so i wonder if rumple can live without his heart he hasn't been able to get over it even though yeah he's a kid still and he's supposed to have gotten over it and that was the whole thing that made him a kid but interesting he's said he's he's not forgotten i thought I just, I guess I've just been assuming this whole time that he doesn't love Rumpel, but... He does love Rumpel. I guess he He wanted to might. keep him in a little box forever and ever. <laughs> that reminds me of a very doctrinally incorrect Sunday school song. Well, okay. <laughs> Some people will know what I'm talking about. You should sing that for us sometimes. <laughs> oh, I actually don't know it that well. <laughs> Gareth suggested something is maybe we shouldn't be asking the question of who Pan loves the most. Here's what Gareth said. In order to enact the curse, Pan must sacrifice the thing he loves most. most. (laughs) I wonder if it has to be the thing Pan loves the most, or if it might be the thing Henry loves the most, since Pan has Henry's heart. Those Hmm. possibilities are much more alarming. Oh, so now he's not... Wait a minute. Well, these are laws that are, are, are yet to be made clear. Yeah, because why isn't... Either Pan in Henry's body or Pan's body with Henry in it dead because time ran out. Yeah, but so the time or maybe it hasn't, but maybe not being in Neverland. But if all he had to do was leave Neverland, that would have been easy. (laughs) It would have been easier than the whole Henry thing over centuries. Well, I think this idea of asking the question, whom does Henry love most? Makes this a lot more dangerous sounding because it could be Emma, Regina, Neil, uh, Charming, David, I mean, Charming or Snow. Ooh, that's very interesting. I mean, any of them could be whom Henry loves most. Um, going back to the whole Peter Pan should have died because his time is up. I think if Pan is put back into his body with his own heart, I... Wait, are they both together now, the hearts? 
No. No, they took it back. They took it back. Everybody's got their own heart. Yeah. So I (laughs) I think if Peter Pan goes back to his body, he's going to die. I think he's going to die. Yeah, unless he has Henry's heart, you're saying? Unless he has Henry's heart. So the the thing that they're going to have to do is just get Pan back in his own body. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Sarah Hmm. sent in this message, uh, really thinking out of the box here. And I like these ideas, thinking outside the box. (laughs) Pandora's box. I think that Pan switched bodies not only to stay out of the box, but because it was a last-ditch effort for him to obtain the heart of the truest believer. Yeah, we agree on that point. I think it's still up in the air as to whether he has Henry's heart. So my theory here is that Pan now has it because he is in Henry's body. Yeah. Yeah. I think up that. In, up until this episode, we thought he wanted it so he could be immortal. And that might have been true. But now I think he needs it because it is the thing he loves the most. It is his prized possession and he needs it in order to use the curse. I love the podcast. I know it takes a lot of work. Your fans appreciate it. Thanks. You're welcome. And thank you. Yeah, what if you're welcome? What if he has to rip out his own heart? Which a much more powerful. He's gonna die. That's what's gonna happen. Maybe. He's gonna die. But he needs that heart. It's keeping him alive, I think. A much more powerful heart on the dark curse, the most powerful curse of all, I think could make for an even more powerful curse. If that's the direction it goes. I think that's the thing that's keeping him alive. Henry's heart. And it's really convenient that he's in Henry's body with Henry's heart. And nobody can take that heart because Regina has protected it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So. Nobody can take that heart now. So they're going to have to switch bodies. Yeah. I wonder how they're going to do that. Well, and speaking of switching bodies, here's another out of the box or maybe out of body theory (laughs) uh gimbal sent this message in saying i hope they will maintain or enhance the consistency of stories especially in the backstories i can only imagine how i can survive without once upon a time after next sunday maybe when pan enacts the curse then all the fairy tale characters will be shuffled example snow white will be one of the dwarves what or rumpelstiltskin will become the giant ha ha that would be annoying and comedic. <laughs> but that's hilarious. The actors have been asked this question sometimes. It's always funny to hear their responses. If you could be any other character on the show, whom would you want to be? Oh my gosh. And like can you I think imagine? it was David said something like, Oh, it'd be fun to be the evil queen. That's and... pretty much the one I'm imagining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. I I don't think they'll go that route, but that would be interesting if that's part of how they forget who they are is not only their memories messed up, but the personalities switched among them because yeah, we're seeing that with, uh, with Henry and with Pan, which makes me wonder, is the show going to stay this way? Because Jared Gilmore is growing up quickly mm-hmm. and uh, Robbie Kay, the actor who plays Pan is already 18 years old so he's not going to change as quickly physically he won't change as quickly as jared gilmore is changing so what if this is the way it stays now or at least for the next year or two in Mm. the meantime pan ages henry's body and then at some (laughs) point maybe they'll switch back when it makes sense for the story sounds weird (laughs) like aging a wine (laughs) good cheese (laughs) oh gosh that's a really weird idea it's possible but 
Might be better to just skip some time. Let them have some happy moments for a while and then come back to the story yeah. later when the story and Henry are the same age. Don wanted to focus on Emma by saying, as far as the curse, I pray we don't have to visit the idea of Emma being the savior and waking everyone up yet again. That would be too much to endure. However, if the real Henry wakes up, then that would definitely help his desire to want to be a hero just like the rest of his family. Ducking from the curse cloud, Don. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Don. (laughs) Well, the curse... And this new curse, I'm somehow thinking that since Henry is connected, even though he's not in his own body, that Henry would be the only one that would retain memories. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So who would he have to convince? You're not really this person. You're actually this person. It's Operation Cobra all over again. I know. Amanda said, what if Emma has to make a huge sacrifice such as almost dying, I would say, or dying, in order to stop the curse from affecting the ones she loves and the town itself? She's constantly saying she is the savior, but isn't doing much saving. My thoughts are that as long as Emma is in the town, the curse will not affect the memories of all the residents. However, Emma will be in a delicate state and Regina and Rumpel will be called upon to assist their step-granddaughter slash Henry's mom and unofficial daughter-in-law slash Bay's love. Let me know what you think. As always, love your amazing, crazy podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much, Amanda. I That's an idea of savior is that there's some kind of sacrifice at some point, maybe even the ultimate sacrifice. That's you know, the biblical role of savior and uh, i think though that emma did do quite a bit of saving and aaron jay is also pointing that out in the chat room that uh, emma did certainly do some saving yeah i agree with that some saving yeah they all kind of do some saving though on a regular basis gareth said if the curse is cast and he's got several ideas here a I wonder if some people might be able to escape it. Perhaps Ariel could swim back to Neverland. Perhaps they could take a portal to another world. Neil mentioned ruby slippers when he was searching his father's palace in the the premiere episode of the third season. Perhaps some of them will escape to Oz. B. I wonder if the curse might actually send them to another world. I'm convinced that the series will eventually go to Oz, so I keep working it in, but the cursed cloud could be like a cyclone. <laughs> a yellow brick road out of Storybrooke. <laughs> like, the whole town moves, and there's Storybrooke, and then it's in Oz. That would be hmm. strange and amazing. Yeah, forget dropping a cabin on a witch. You could drop an entire town. Yeah. Like a cabin. That'd be cool. <laughs> on a couple of campers, too, and crush their... <laughs> Very orange pickup truck, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Or their very orange carriage, if we're in a different world. And then they'll, you know, eventually be buried there. Wait, what? C. Perhaps the curse will not actually remove memories. People just end up being scattered to different worlds. The Enchanted Forest, Neverland, the Colors World, etc. Guys, if that happens, with few possible ways to keep it from happening... I would have to be done <laughs> if if we come back in March and it's at some people in the Enchanted Forest and some people here, some people there, and they've all got to try to get back to each other. 
No. Yeah, it's been. I don't think that'll happen though, so I don't think we have to worry. (laughs) And finally, D. Perhaps the curse will not affect people in other worlds, in which case Aurora, Mulan, and others who uh, others would already know who people really are. <laughs> I'll come strolling and tell them, be like, guys, we found a way to come here and join you. We're, we're at least here to visit. How are you? Why don't you look like you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> I think that what the curse will actually do is take everyone back to the Enchanted Forest, but maybe plop them down back there and they not remember who they are. Can Storybook please go to the Enchanted Forest? <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be really weird if that happened that way. But maybe it could be <laughs> a, a sort of misaligned thing where like sometimes they remember who they are and sometimes they don't. Like a kind of tumbling, lost-esque little reference here of hmm. bouncing through. That would be things. so annoying. Could People be. would wake up Depending in the morning and they'd work. be like... I don't know what they'd be like. Because <laughs> unless they became aware that they were two people and they're like, uh, good morning, honey, which one are you right now? And then they'd be like, mm. I don't know. It would be unworkable. And I'm not the only one who thinks that. Once Wizard said, I think the curse will send them all to the Enchanted Forest where they don't remember their storybook selves. This one stretches perhaps to the season finale. In the Enchanted Forest... I love how he connects this. In the Enchanted Forest, Regina will find Robin Hood, and they will finally share true love's kiss, which will break the curse. This will restore everybody's memories, and they will have thwarted Peter Pan's last attempt at succeeding. That's a nice thought, except that I don't think Regina is in any way connected to the curse at this point. Right. In fact, I don't even understand how... Charming and Snow's true love can not be woven into it since he dropped it on the parchment. Somehow that part of it went out of it when the curse was cast, but the parchment still exists. I don't understand that. Mm. Yeah. It's like, if I drop this potion on the parchment, it'll be in the curse, but it's a one-use drop. Maybe. If I put two drops, there might have been enough there to cast it twice. I don't know. And finally, last message here comes came in from Don saying, I don't think that the initial prophecy of the boy being his undoing is completely finished. Well, no. As Bell suggested to Rumpel, what if Henry, in quotation marks, is still his undoing, but just while Pan has possession of his form? Just makes sense since all of the other prophecies the seer made did come true, regardless of how they exactly played out. That's true. Hmm. That's good. And remember, the seer said that boy is not what he seems. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he really is not what he seems. Ding, ding, ding. So, we have a winner. And we were all thinking that maybe maybe Henry would have some superpower, like, up his sleeve. Well, he does have the heart of the truest believer. Maybe yeah, he does still have some kind of superpower. That doesn't make him dangerous, though. Yeah, that's true. So this concludes our discussion of the new Neverland. If you'd like to continue the discussion on any points that we made here, or you just want to check out these links and some of the screenshots about these things, please go to the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 127. Or you can chat about any episode over in the forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. We have one more episode left of this 11 episode run, which 
oh my, what a run it has been. And <laughs> with the way that they've planned this out and that they have this hiatus coming up and this one more episode right before the hiatus, I'm expecting a big cliffhanger. Yeah. Like a cloud. Remember. Like a big purple cloud <laughs> or whatever color it's going to be. I think someone might die. Well, somebody just did. Somebody just did. Re- well, someone else. Didn't make any Maybe sense. Maybe even more but important. They did. Think about two years ago. What happened two years ago on the day that we're recording this episode? I don't what? know. <laughs> what happened? What happened? Graham died. Now who's ripping out hearts? <laughs> <laughs> the chat room is going crazy on you right now. So maybe someone else. Very important. Because at that time, remember, with the characters that we had, Graham was in every single episode. He seemed like he would be a regular. And then poof, he's gone. Poof. Or it's more like Not crunch, even poof. Crush. It was like, like crush and then the sound of sand. <laughs> like that. I wasn't shushing. Yeah. It was a noise. I think we're squeezing the hearts of our listeners right now. But so whatever guys. happens, it will be, oh, man, quite a, uh, a heartbreaker, maybe. <laughs> certainly. <laughs> Oops, that was unintentional. But uh, certainly it will be some kind of major cliffhanger. And stick around for the spoilers, if you want to be spoiled, that Hunter will share after the podcast is finished. And then you can hear what might be coming up next and we don't know we're we're trying to stay spoiler free but keep our feedback information so you can send us feedback on the next episode of once upon a time and the way that you do that is when you email us put the name of the episode that you're sending us feedback about in the subject line of your email and send that to feedback at oncepodcast.com or at any time of the day you could pick up the phone and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or go to oncepodcast.com on your computer or iOS device and send a voice message right through the website that we can consider for using in the podcast. We'd love to have your feedback, and we'll have our initial reactions live on Sunday at 9.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, GMT-5, over at oncepodcast.com slash live. Then we'll do our full discussion the following Wednesday at 8 p.m., and then we're going to take a little bit of a break as well. But we might have some special content coming out during that winter hiatus to help you guys through it, to help us survive it too. But watch for announcements on that. One of the ways that you can watch for those announcements is follow us on Twitter at Once Podcast. And you can follow each of us individually on Twitter. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and you can follow me on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny, and you can follow me at Twitter.com slash Jenny Snook. And until next time, remember, I promise when this is all over, I can finally be the mother you always wanted me to be. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to donate to an episode, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Hi, Oncers. Hunter Hathaway here with your spoilers for Once Podcast. 
Season 3, Episode 11, Going Home, is directed by Ralph Hemmicker and written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. According to the ABC official press release, the race is on to stop Pan from enacting another curse on the residents of Storybrooke, which could kill every living soul in town. Stephen Lord is Malcolm, Evans Johnson as nun number one, Parker Croft as Felix, Dave Matthews as doctor, and Joy Castro as nurse, all guest star in this episode. Don't forget that this is the last new episode until March 9th. Okay, time to look at the promo. Looks like everyone is going to be busy trying to stop the curse. According to Mr. Gold, everyone will forget who they are, and this time, Emma can't even save them. Regina is even heard saying that everyone will go back to where they came from. With the curse hitting from all sides, it looks like they may be too late to save the town. But, how will the Pan story end, and who is the new big bad for the second half of this season? Well, we will just have to wait and see, but I can tell you about the new villain. What a nice segue into this week's casting news. Rebecca Matter is joining the cast in the second half of the season. You may remember her as Charlotte Lewis from Lost. The creators are keeping their lips sealed as to who she will play. But if you really want to know, just wait till after this week's episode and the extended promo for the second half of the season. The internet is buzzing with who she could be from... Mother Gothel, Corella Deville, Ursula, and the Wicked Witch of the West. Now, what about the Blue Fairy? Can she really be dead? Well, Kitsis and Horowitz did spoil this, saying, Shadows can be reattached to their host. However, sources have also revealed that they recently filmed a funeral scene. Thanks, guys. That really helps a lot. But I have seen some set photos of the funeral for the Blue Fairy. It includes some of the nuns mourning and also Neil, David, Tink, and Hook, trying to capture the shadow with the coconut. Oh, and it looks like the shadow is not going to go down easily. So where is the second half of the season taking us? Well, I can tell you that Emma and Hook will make their way to New York City, and Eddie Kitsis has revealed that the show will go between Storybrooke and the Enchanted Forest. As to who is where, I really do not know. That's all I have for you today. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. Until next time, Wincers, and enjoy the winter finale. Oh.